world-class guests, fascinating stories, inspiring messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Genesis Amaris Kemp. Genesis is a self-development advocate, visionary, inclusion, and diversity advocate, the author of Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, and the host of the podcast Gems. You can get her book on Amazon, and you can reach Genesis at her website and on social media, and I'll include all those links in the description. Welcome, Genesis. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. It's a pleasure to be here and be in the hot seat. I love having you here in the hot seat, and I'm so excited to be talking about all these awesome things. So tell me your story. What makes you so passionate about diversity and equity and inclusion? Yes. So I am first-generation American. My dad was South American. He was from the ABC island called Curacao off the tip of Venezuela. He passed last year, and my mother is... Caribbean. So she's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So the West Indies, close to Barbados, Jamaica, Trinidad, and all of those tropical islands. And just what really made me passionate about the DE and I work was just getting involved in the good old boys club, working in oil and gas here in Texas, and not seeing a lot of people that looked like me, and just having to just really fight to climb that corporate ladder. And not just once, but twice when I worked for a smaller corrosion company in the oil and gas and energy space to transitioning over to a Fortune 500 company where I stayed there for seven and a half years and then had to start all the way over um, with my career. Start at the bottom as an administrative assistant and worked all the way up to trade regulations and compliance coordination. And it was hard. And I saw that the company talked about, oh, we're diverse, we're equitable, we're inclusive. But when you are in the inside looking out and you don't see what they're talking about, then it paints a different picture. Mm. So then you're like, hmm, well, where is the diversity? Where is the equity? Where is the inclusivity? Because it's not just about race. It's not just about gender, but there are so many different layers that are involved in the whole D, E, and I piece. And you can't just have diversity without inclusivity, without equity. It takes all of us coming together. So whenever I face personal struggles by systemic racism, when I face um, the lack of pay equity, when I face gender equity, and all of those things, that is what made me you know, just really launch out deep and say, you know what, there is something that I can do in this space. I can be unapologetically Genesis Amaris Kemp. I could stand up because it's not just about Genesis, but it's about the other women and men who are going to come along besides and behind me. It's about leaving a legacy, paving a foundation for a future generation to come. It's about pushing the needle forward. We have to move diversity, equity, and inclusion from a check the box to really seeing it evident in the workplace, no matter what industry you're in. Has something been said that does not align with the company mission statement and values? Has something been done that has not aligned with the company mission statements and values? Are they saying certain things, but they're not necessarily allowing their actions to follow suit? Mm, Okay, that's a big deal. That difference between check in a box and really being and really doing. 
And I loved when you said, there's something that I can do about it. So I would love to hear your version and your explanation of what you would like to see and what you and, and, and other people can do about it. So if I were to go back in time and put myself back in the Fortune 500 company that I was working for, one thing that I would like to see is that management, um, whether you're, you are a direct supervisor with reports that work underneath you, or if you are a supervisor with no direct reports, or those who are high flyers in the company, really see people who are at the bottom actually doing the work. What are your administrative assistants doing? What are your technicians doing? What are the people who are working in a chemical plant doing? What is the secretary, the receptionist, or whatever, what are they doing? Because they are really the glue that holds it together. And oftentimes, some of those individuals often get overlooked and passed over because their quote-unquote role is not that ideal role. When in actuality, they're doing all the things. They're scheduling the meetings. They know who's who of the company. They are, you know, doing event planning, logistics, calendar management, lunches, and all these things that engineers, doctors, nurses, and all these high-profile people don't want to do. So if you don't treat those individuals as if they really matter to the corporation, then they're going to feel burnt out. And when they're burnt out, they're going to check out. And when they're checked out, they're already working on their exit strategy to get outside of your organization, to go somewhere else where they are seen and heard, or to start something of their own where they could be that difference maker. So if you start to see the people within your organization, no matter what their job title is, no matter what their level is, and make sure you give them a seat at the table, not just to be seen, but to be heard, then it's definitely going to make a difference because they feel valuable. They feel like they're a key player. They feel like they can actually contribute something to the organization. Then you will see how the morale begins to shift in that place. That Another fantastic. I apologize. Um, what, I, what I'm hearing here is just basic good business practices. Exactly. Where you value the resource that is your people. And it's beyond let's let's check boxes and make sure that we have uh, different genders and, and different races. It's let's value people. And I really, really appreciate that approach because I feel sometimes when we discuss diversity, what we're doing is trying to recognize those differences that keep us segregated and that keep us... Um, keep us apart, not those things that keep us unified. And it helps people continue to look at gender and skin color to check those boxes rather than viewing people as people. And what you are suggesting is let's view all people as people. And then pretty soon those other factors don't matter because we're concentrating on what those, uh, what our skills, what our talents, what it is we have to contribute, what the person is and what asset they are to our company, to our, our business, rather than worrying about those external factors. And I think that creates a cohesive unity that is beautiful. So I, I'm applauding you. I, I think that is amazing. So what's your next point? I, I'm all ears. <laughs> 
So once you establish the people-centric version, um, then you also have to look at how am I taking care of my people? What type of benefits am I offering? Because there are a lot of organizations who have the ability to offer various things outside of insurance. Like, for example, EHAP, the Employee Health um, Assistance Program, or some people have a different way of um, reciting what EHAP is. But do you have something that will help individuals talk to a therapist if they need help with something where the company will pay a portion of that? Do you have childcare at your establishment, especially for women who are a minority to your organization, no matter what their color is, but then being a woman in a male-dominated field? If those women do not have a safe place to put their children so they could go to work and provide for their family, then it's causing them to stay at home. And sometimes they don't necessarily want to stay at home, but it's cheaper for them to take care of their child than put their kid in child care. So they're having to battle those things. So if you offered a child care at your place of work where maybe you subsidize a portion of it, then you're giving a mother a chance to go to work, provide for her family, and carry the equal weight in comparison to if she's a married woman or if she's a single woman. You're, she has options. Another thing is, let's look think about people who have invisible disabilities versus physical disabilities. Are there certain things that we're catering to one group that we're not catering to another? And what is something that can be done to bridge the gap in lieu of some form of benefit? Like, for example, some people are religious. They may want to pray during the day. And by them praying during the day, that is giving them you know, mental clarity, mental stability, and et cetera. So is there a room that is dedicated that can be used as a flex room where they could block off time to go in that room and pray, or the mothers could go into that room and nurse or whatever. And my organization that I just left, you know, it took them a while to get a nursing room for the mothers and a prayer room for those who are religious. But it wasn't until we um, built a campus where we were able to factor in all those considerations because times are changing. So we either need to grow and go with the times or get left in the wind. Another thing to uh, manage is in this day and age, a lot of people can telecommute and you can work in various places. You don't necessarily need to be in a brick and mortar um, business or building. So ask yourself, can we have some flexible days or times where people work in the office maybe three days a week and work at home two days a week? And while they're working at home, maybe they could factor in their doctor's appointments and et cetera, just log on early, log off early so they can go to those appointments or do the things that they need to do without taking a vacation day to do something that's not necessarily quote unquote a vacation. I don't want to use a vacation day to go to the doctor. That is not a vacation for me. A vacation is where I unplug, unwind, and really refuel, recharge, and refocus on who Genesis is. Those are some things that corporations and organizations could add on to, you know, something they offer for their employees. What are your benefits like? And benefits aren't just healthcare insurance. There are other ways to show your staff that, you know, you value them and you value you know, what they bring to the table, because right now we are in a period called the Great Resignation, where people are tired 
of working for employers because they're burnt out and they feel like they're just a number to the corporation. So what can we do about that if you don't want to be faced with the great resignation? Wow. So treating people as people and allowing the whole person, all parts of us. It seems like in the past, we've had very much kind of a, a bento box uh, feel to, to life where we have to, I mean, don't, don't let work touch home and don't let your physical health touch anything else and don't let your mental and emotional health or, or your religion or your whatever. Um, all these things are supposed to be kept in separate boxes. And when we're at work, we're supposed to uh, disengage from family and from all of our other concerns and not be a human anymore. We are now that cog in a wheel. And then when we're done, then we're allowed to put on this hat and put on that hat and play our different roles. And it sounds like, and I, I've heard other business leaders that this, this kind of, of movement is gaining a little bit of momentum where people are starting to listen a little bit. And some, some businesses and organizations are recognizing that the key element, that that next step that's going to give you that competitive edge is actually valuing your employees that they are a tremendous resource and that they are something that, that matters and, that, and, and, and we should value them and not treat them as disposable or whatever. So this kind of thing is amazing. And you mentioned that you, the place you were working, that they were implementing some of these things. So you got to see some of those things in effect, right? And how did that work yes. out? Yes, it was nice and it was refreshing because I went um, from when I started with the company in 2013 to just having a place where there was no mother's room. So it was hard whenever I was at admin and I saw mothers repatriating back into the organization and they didn't have a place to go, you know, pump their breast milk and they had to go in the bathroom. And sometimes you don't want to do that in a bathroom with all those germs. You just kind of want to sit down and relax. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, just felt like, man, I'm not really being set up for success because some, my body changed and et cetera. And then when we transitioned to a campus that had those things there, you start to see the morale shift a bit because they're like, okay, you know, they understand. They're able to, you know, assimilate me. They're able to put certain things in place for me so I could get my job done. But whenever Mother Nature calls, I'm able to tend to that as well. And then just having a prayer room, I've used it a few times, you know, to either pray or if I just needed to block off maybe 30 minutes in the room to just kind of take a power down or a cool off to take a nap and just shut off my mind from all the busyness and craziness that was going on at work. And then whenever I was done, I come out more refreshed and recharged and then I could actually tackle the rest of my day. So it was great. But then whenever I moved on over to work in a chemical plant that did not have a mother's room or did not have a, a prayer room, one thing that was beneficial for me in that season was the fact that I went from an open concept to a closed concept and I had my own office. So I could shut my doors. I could turn the lights off and then open my blinds and work with the natural light and stuff like that. So it's just like you have to kind of know how to assimilate but then sometimes you don't always want to assimilate. You want to know that you're working in a place and a setting that can adjust to and make sure not only are you a good fit for the company, but is that good? Is that company still a good fit for you? Because life changes. But I would like, if it's okay, to go back just a second when you talked about the prayer room and your chance of 
of, of stepping out and having a chance to kind of rejuvenate, it brought to mind the thought that there's a difference between busyness and productivity. And sometimes we think in, in this eight-hour block or, or whatever our, our block is, that certain amount of work will be done or, or not done. And, and that there's just this amount of time equals this amount of productivity. And that's not the case. We found that when we stop and take a break for a minute, then it increases the productivity level so that we're able to utilize our time better and to be able to, um, well, be more productive, to, to use that time better. And, and so it's not just that, that minute to, to productivity, it, it's not a direct ratio, it, it changes. And when we start to lose focus, then you can, you can fuzz out for eight hours or however many hours. I mean, just because I'm sitting in a chair in front of a computer doesn't mean anything is getting done, you know? So that, that, I think that's very clever. And that's a good point that you mentioned that because I did a segment like, are you just busy to be busy? Or are you actually busy getting things done in a productive manner and light? Because someone could be busy all day long, but then whenever you look at their work, their work may not actually represent the amount of time they spent doing it because they were so busy doing so many other things. They were just doing a robotic process versus actually doing a process where there's stimulus in in the process, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I also love that you brought up that that adds some accountability to the employee, because mostly what we're talking about here is wouldn't it be wonderful if the employer offered XYZ benefits? Can you see how that would be helpful to value the employee? And there's also that reverse that as an employee, we want to be a benefit to our employer. We want to I mean, if we would like to be treated as a valuable member of this team, then I think we should be a valuable member to this team and make some effort to putting in that time and putting in that actual productivity and not, not just time. So um, I, I think it goes both ways. It does. And because the company wants a ROI, so their return on investment when they hire you and they don't want you to just come into the organization and in that one role, they want to see you grow with the organization. So if they want you to grow with the organization, then they also need to give you the liberty to get an ROI because you're dedicating your time, your energy, and your resources to be a part of that organization. And the minute you no longer feel like you are truly a part of the organization and you're just there as a placeholder or a number or something for them to show a status quo, then you start to remove yourself further and further from the equation until you're carrying your belongings outside the door. Mm. Yep. And that can also go because you didn't feel comfortable or because you weren't productive. I mean, it, that still can go both ways. So, <laughs> Yes. So it's a great way that you and I have the different vantage points and viewpoints that we are seeing things and talking about it on this segment because it's definitely going to help somebody who's listening or watching it to really resonate with it, Linda, because if we don't really dive a little bit deeper or pull the layers of the onion back, we're not really going to know what the root causes of certain situations are. And that's one of the reasons why I felt so strongly to write my book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, from the pit to the palace, because even though the name says chocolate drop in corporate America, it's not just about people who look like me. It's about anyone 
who has ever been faced with something in an organization that left them feeling as if they were just a number, left them feeling as, man, I really don't feel valued, left them as feeling like, oh man, I really love the company and what they stand for, but because of this boss or because of this team, I no longer feel like, you know, I could truly be my whole self or I'm constantly putting on a mask to really fit in with the mold in order to meet XYZ or whatever the case may be. And that's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. So is your book uh, the opportunity? Oh, there we go. Beautiful. To help people become aware or does it also include some solutions and some steps to be able to, to rectify the situation? Because I love... I love bringing up the things that need to be brought up. I think that's an excellent starting point, but I also love finding solutions. So one, it's awareness. And then two, I share some solutions and some tips that helped me stay strong in the journey. My faith a lot. I talked about my RQ method in there, which is refuel, refocus, and realign. That's in one of the chapters of the book. So I hit on it briefly. And I also talk to people about really taking ownership. You have to take ownership of your career. If you don't do it for yourself, then don't expect anyone else to. And that's if you're in the E bucket, which is the employee bucket. If you're in the B bucket, you're a business owner. If you are in the um, I bucket, you are, you know, that individual contributor, but then you're really moving into the entrepreneurship journey and you're really moving into going into a different space where not only did you step outside of the employee bucket into the maybe the B bucket, but maybe you're a mesh between both because there are some people who are employees, but then they're also business owners. They work their nine to five job, but then they also have something else on the side that they're building up. So I also want people to know about the difference there because just because you're an employee, you're not always just an employee and you're not always going to be an employee because if you haven't looked around, the pandemic wiped out a lot of jobs, a lot of businesses closes, and some of those people did not have a backup plan. So they went from making six figures to no figures. They went from having to pivot and start all the way over and et cetera. So one thing I learned is you never could place all your eggs in one basket, metaphorically speaking, and you have to know how to diversify. Diversify in all things, your wealth, your streams of income, your knowledge, because if you're not learning, you're not growing, and you have to diversify in Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you still surrounding yourself with the same old people that are doing the same old stuff? Or are you tapping into other people who you're interested in getting to where they are and they come via being a mentor to you? They come via being a coach or whatever the case may be. So are these all the facets of the ownership of your own, that that diversification, that um, all of these these assets? And I love as you're talking about... um, this is a multi-level approach. It's not just, this is a good idea for what businesses can do, but it's also a personalized approach and say, this is what you personally can do um, within whatever situation you are in. Because sometimes I think where if we're in a work situation and we're not happy, we think, but I have a job. I, I have a job. So I just, I'm going to stay where I am because we're used to what we're used to rather than taking that ownership and saying, you know, if this is not a good fit for me, 
I can move elsewhere. And, and it's, it sounds very empowering, very personally empowering. And I, I love that. Yes. And it's both because it applies both to the corporation, some tips and tricks that they could use to help with their employees. And also for those who are employees or the ICs, the individual contributors, to also take their um, take their stuff into their own wheelhouse and really don't just sit where they are, but actually grow where they are and look for the next opportunity. Because these organizations are big. And like I mentioned, I started as an administrative assistant. Then I went on to be a raw material coordinator for polypropylene, which is a form of plastics. Then I went on to do trade regulations and compliance coordination for polyethylene, which is another commodity of plastics. But had I not seen where I wanted to go and had I not taken ownership of my career, I would probably still be be sitting as an administrative assistant for those four and a half years. And I grew up, but once, once I got to that level... And I had, you know, the corporate Amex card. I had limo, a limo picking me up at my house, car services and taking me to the airport. I had the Emerald Isle status and all of those things. Yeah, that's all cool and fine and dandy. But having all those things do not make you that super individual. There's still levels to it that you have to go through in order to get to where you are. And there's struggles. There's so many different things that are comprised with it. And I feel like some people, once they think that they have arrived, that they stay there and their mindset shifts and they start to look down at where they came from. But I always tell people, never diminish where you came from and the levels that you went through because we are all on this roller coaster ride called life. That is beautiful. And I love if we cannot look down on those roles. Because the natural tendency is also to look down on the people who are in those roles. And it creates a, a not healthy environment to have that hierarchical, better than kind of a feeling without then appreciating all the people who are creating the wealth that you are enjoying. Because it's not you by yourself. It, it's a team. It's, it's a whole team. So when you said when you're getting there and there's and then and then you stop, you're not looking at the next level at where you want to be. What to you is success then? If, if having you know the limo and all these things is not you know arriving, what is and what does arriving look like? So to me, it looks different than what the one percenters look like. Having success is one having my total health and wellness together because if you do not have good health then how are you going to really live out your wealth and enjoy the things that you have acquired so and that's mentally physically and emotionally I want to be whole and complete I don't want to have all this money but then I'm broken down inside or I'm running to the doctors and I can't um, enjoy the fruits of my labor having success means What can I do to give back in society, whether I'm donating to a church, whether I'm donating to cancer research or lupus research or diabetes? Diabetes, lupus, and leukemia are three of my heartstrings because three important people in my life have, you know, passed. And now I'm learning about sepsis because my my dad ended up getting sepsis due to medical negligence and passing last year in the height of the pandemic. Um, And it was hard, but, 
you know, I had to go through those things. So now it empowers me to talk about it because I learned those things. So now I can help someone else who's in that situation. Another thing is making sure that my family is taken care of, not just my husband, but whenever we are blessed to have, you know, our children, making sure my children do not have a lack for anything. That is success because they are a part of me and they are my offspring. Another success is I like to re- uh, reverse engineer and I like to think if someone were to read Genesis Amaris's Kemp's obituary today, what would I like my obituary to read? read like? What do I want people to say that I have accomplished and I have did while I was here on earth? Mm. And is that tied to my purpose? Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're blowing my mind here a little bit. So (laughs) let's talk about a couple of these things because I I love all of them. I love your concept that your idea of success is that comprehensive thing where this is a a unified approach where we're talking about the same kinds of things that succeed uh, and make a business successful, including all parts of the human their, their, the, the finance, the things that they can contribute, but also the mental and your, maybe your religious background or, or the other things that matter to you. And then when it gets into the individual, once again, remembering that we are a comprehensive, multifaceted person with all these different parts of us that yes, money matters. It does. It's, it's part of how, I mean, it's how we provide for, you know, our shelter and our food and our clothing. It matters, but boy, it is not the only thing that matters. And our health, our physical health, and our mental and our emotional health and our spiritual health, all of these things together help to bring us joy. Um, I've, I've visited with people who thought, you know, I've come from poverty, so the answer must be money. It must be. I mean, what else could it be? And so they got money and found out that wasn't the answer at all. In fact, they were more miserable than they were before. And it wasn't until they worked on that inside and and creating that wholeness and that confidence and that um, self-love that they were able to become happy. And then they could enjoy all of the other things, including the financial success. So love it. Okay. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So and now I can't remember what the other question was because I was having too much fun going off of that one. So (laughs) what were you going to say next? (laughs) I think the other part that I think um, stimulated you was whenever I was talking about my obituary and how would I like my obituary. Yes. Yes. Oh, good. Way to watch the body language. Okay. So what, what would you like someone to, to put on? Let's, this is going to be far in the future, but what would you, what would you like? So I would like it to be Genesis Amaris Kemp. She was a visionary life coach. She was a woman that really stood by people who she gravitated to. She was able to plant those seeds so she could see that ripple effect. If they were winning, she was winning because she cared enough to see past who they were on the outward and looked inwardly. She was a wife. She was a mother. She was a woman that was that called herself a firecracker, bubbly, full of life and energetic. But she was also a person that if she loved something and she endured something, she would rep it until, you know, there was no more repping it. She... She was a patient advocate for her father when her father was living. She was a a campaign sponsor and poster girl for lupus, leukemia, and diabetes. And she just spread so much awareness because she knew the woman that she was when she was a child. And she also knew the woman she was when she became an adult. 
And she was always eager to learn new things because she said if she wasn't learning, she wasn't growing. And she wanted people to never place her in a box because she wasn't born in a box. So why would she allow someone to contain her in a box? A box is for her afterlife. And here, and here she lived her life unapologetically. Genesis, Amaris, Kemp, full of laughter, full of joy, full of peace, full of abundance. But most importantly, she never allowed someone to take her back to the places that she graduated from or something like that. <laughs> wow. Okay, that is beautiful. Do you know when I think part of when we try to be authentic, in order to be authentic, we have to know who we are. And to know who we are, we have to remember we get to choose. We get to choose. And you, all those beautiful things that you mentioned are things that you chose. And, and those things matter. We get to be the things that we choose. So you're going to have a very, 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 very big headstone or else it's going to have to have like scrolling letters because that's a lot of stuff. I have also been... I know, right? Thinking, or they'll have to bring their reading glasses or I don't know how you're going to work it out, but I know it will all work out. I think if I pinpoint it, Linda, one thing I would say, firecracker, visionary, energetic, um, faith-based, and then the last thing would be... um, extraordinary. I love it. I love it. All of those things are beautiful. I have also been thinking and pondering about who am I and what do I stand for and what do I want to be? And I love, as you mentioned, the things that it wasn't that I worked at this particular thing and I made this amount of money. It's who you are. And so for me, I'm a woman of faith. I am an advocate for hope and healing. I am a compassionate humanitarian. I am a gentle and powerful influence for good. And I am a servant leader. And that is who I choose to be. What I do is a reflection of who I am. And so those are the things that matter to me. And I think it's, I think it's important sometimes to maybe stop and think, well, what does matter to me? Because how can you be those things if you don't even know what it is that you want to be? Yes. And I love that. And I love how you list down all the things. And I was like, you must have been reading reading me because I have an <laughs> exercise in my book called Who Am I? A discovery exercise. And I encourage people after they read the book to have their own discovery exercise of who they are and call it Who Am I? Put their name and then start writing. I love that. I'm so glad that that is in there because I really believe that that's an important step to becoming successful is knowing who we are. So thank you. Oh, I've loved every minute of this. I have learned so much. I have so many things to think about, and I have really appreciated your time. Thank you so much, Linda. I truly appreciate you having me here. It has been a pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Ola Joseph. He said, diversity is not how we differ. Diversity is about embracing one another's uniqueness. Today, I invite you to accept and embrace uniqueness, including your own. See you next time on Linda's Corner.